I'm here with Francesca Polito. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, it'll be fun. Can you talk a little bit about your senior year and how everything's going for you so far this year? Yeah, sure. It's been great. I mean, I love it. It's obviously stressful with college and applications and all that, mm -hmm. but I like being an upperclassman and especially being like the oldest grade of the school. Mm -hmm. It's just been very different this year in a good way mm -hmm. um, in my interactions with like younger students, that kind of thing. And I don't know, I feel like I've become closer with my class as well. So it's been awesome. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. And you're in student government at Bryn Mawr. I am. Have you yes. been in student government all four years or? Um, I started it my sophomore year. The year before I was in something called community service learning, which is CSL at our school. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. But then I think. I geared more into student government, like when I got when I got to know the other girls in my grade and the teachers and all of that, because I came from a different middle school. Okay. Yeah. So once, was, yeah. Was that a co-ed middle school or was that mm -hmm. all girls? It was co-ed, so it was kind of a switch, especially because you don't have um, coordinated classes your first two like years of high school. Right. So it was definitely a switch up. But I, after I kind of got used to Brimar, that's when I geared into SGA. Okay, great. I definitely want to talk about the switch from the yeah, co-ed uh -huh. to all girls and then junior, senior year with the coordinate classes. Right. Um, but I want to stay on student government because mm -hmm. I was involved in student government too. Oh, really? And I have a younger sister who's now in seventh grade. And there's a sister in between who is, um, she's 23 or 24, but she was in student government too. And my younger sister, Jenny, my parents are like, you got to run it for yeah. student council. You got to do it. And she's just not having it. Oh, she's really? not about like, it. Not about it. But what um, what motivated you? Why did you want to get involved in student government? Um, well, I think the reason I switched gears was just because as I got used to Bryn Mawr and I met more people and I was able to try new things, you know, because I remember I came over from middle school with like a mindset of just trying everything because everyone told me how great high school was mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And so once I really felt myself, you know, fitting into the community and becoming a part of that, like this Bryn Mawr community, I wanted to do something that was directly involved in that. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, that was student government. I also had a really close friend who was a grade above me, Anna Kent. She was in student government at the time. She was the president, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now she's obviously a freshman in college. I miss her so much. But <laughs> she really advocated for SGA. She loved it. And so I kind of just decided to try it. You know, why not? Yeah. What's it, what's student government like over there? I remember when I was in high school, I was, you know, I was class president, but I didn't do mm -hmm. all that. I mean, compared to what we do at Gilman, like the president stands up in front of everyone every day, takes announcement, is right. involved in a lot of different organizational activities outside the, the classroom. But what's it like at Bryn Mawr to be involved in government? I think as you get older and are an upperclassman, you know, you mature and so I think your role grows as you grow and so I definitely would agree with you that freshman and sophomore year I was definitely a member but I don't think I did as much as I'm doing now I was like more of a listener kind of giving my opinions supporting but now it's like you're running the class meetings you're the person people go to to ask questions that kind of thing and so now I would say it's more like you're taking the initiative mm -hmm. and you get to call more shots and like kind of facilitate, you know, the discussions and all that. So I feel like I've grown and it's more of a leadership position now. And you have to get up in front of everyone and 
speak publicly all the time? Um, we do it at class meetings. Convocation is like all school president, but for class president, um, we have class meetings every Thursday. So that's when you'll give the announcements, you'll kind of give a rundown of the week, what's coming up, you know, mm -hmm. college counseling classes, all of that. So mm -hmm. That's a good skill, getting up in front of yes. people and talking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that we do class discussions in English, and I'm sure history right. has presentations, but... It's different, you it's know, so when different. you're in front of your grade. Also because I feel like when I was younger, I was very nervous to public speak, and I think my public speaking's gotten a lot better with SGA, which is awesome, you know? Yeah. I wonder what was that like, I mean, the first couple of times oh when you goodness. just came over. And what was the campaign process like for... So student government. they do elections. It's at the end of every school year. And each person gives, I think it's a 90-second speech. And then you run through, because there's a bunch of different organizations. SGA is just one of them. There's also CSL. There's an athletics association, um, uh, arts council, that kind of thing. And so you run through each organization and you'll give a speech. And then after everyone's given their speeches, they open like a voting, a voting portal and you have until I think 8 p.m. that night. And so the results come out the next day. And I'm always a nervous wreck, I mean, yeah. every year. <sighs> it's all digital, it's all through the- Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I remember I think in high school we had just switched to the digital really? voting. And so I, no like paper tickets or all that, no. Yeah, I remember going around the library just telling people, because I don't think you had to vote. Mm -hmm. It was a voluntary thing. It's like you can vote for right. your class officers, but I remember going to each person say, please vote. Oh, like so you almost, campaigned and stuff. Well, yeah, and Cesare's heard this story before, but I learned my lesson in high school because I was I was class president freshman year and sophomore year, and finally junior year, someone ran against me, and mm -hmm. that hadn't really happened before. Right. I think maybe freshman year someone did, but but it was almost kind of established, at least in my mind, that I was the president of the class. And yeah. I know. I kind of got a little cocky. I was like, all right, I'm going to win every year. Right. And Molly Martin was in my grade, and she was like, I'm going to beat this guy. Oh, Molly. Oh, Molly. <laughs> Molly is a very good singer and musician and artist, and I think she's, she's like, in Nashville now. She's, oh, you wow. know, that, she's mm -hmm. made a life out of it, but she would always sing in the courtyard, and she'd be singing in the courtyard and say, vote for Molly Martin. I'm running oh, for president. Oh, gosh. And I would walk by. I'd be like, ah, I got this one. <laughs> I got this one? And I lost. Oh. And it was maybe the best lesson one of the best lessons that has ever happened to me because then I realized you can't just take it lightly. You've got a campaign. Right. You can't think you're the man and you're going to win just mm -hmm. because you won last year, yeah. you know? It's interesting because for Bryn Mawr, at least, we aren't supposed to campaign outside of our speeches. So there's no... I feel like in the movies, I always see like the posters, mm -hmm. giving like cupcakes, that kind of thing. There's none of that. The it's slogans. Really, no, we don't have any of that. It's mainly the speech. And so... I mean, I've always put so much effort into that speech because what you say, I feel like matters a lot since it's only 90 seconds and you have to sell yourself in that. Mm -hmm. So it's and different. That, and that is at like in the assembly hall, you do that? Yeah, we do it in our centennial hall. Okay. Yeah, I've been over to a couple of the convocations, mm -hmm. which I really like that Bryn Mawr does. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to give a speech senior right. year. Yeah, mine's, mine's in April. It's in April. Yeah. You looking forward to it? Have you thought about it at all? I have, actually. I'm doing, so Brimmer has this project called Edith Hamilton Project where you can apply into it. And so I'm, and you, we call ourselves the Edith Hamilton Scholars. <laughs> and so I'm doing mine on mental health and student athletes. And so part of being in that, you know, group is your convocation will be on this project that you've been researching on. And basically you give this speech on that project. Ooh. 
And then in addition, you have to have some sort of visual or like final actual sort of project, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm making a video and it'll be kind of with, it'll be with interviews of other student athletes and of a few experts in the field. Um, and I'm just going to compile it into one video where the house has like resources, I think. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a work in progress, but that'll be what my That's really speech is on. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about sports and right. like being an athlete, um, mm-hmm. either at your school or outside of your school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe some reasons why that interest led you to this project that you're working on. Is it in place of a class that you're working on this? No, so it's an addition. We do it during fourth periods um, every other week. We kind of meet as a group. There's five of us. And so we'll check in, but you kind of, it's very much like out of school work. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. an independent research. So, I mean, for sports, that has just been a constant my whole life. Mm -hmm. I've played them since I was really little. I do soccer, basketball, and lacrosse, so. I've been continuing those forever, as long as I can remember. But it definitely picked up, like, with high school um, because, you know, sports levels increase and then you also are balancing school and club. But luckily for me, I didn't really turn me away from them. I kind of – my love for sports grew. Mm -hmm. But part of loving something so much, I think, is, like, also putting pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. And so within my personal experience, like, over the past couple years – I've had like some mental struggles within sports and also just in a general, like, um, I guess putting too much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wanted to take like my experiences and what I've learned from that and how I've grown from those experiences and use it to provide something for the rest of my peers. Because I know everyone, you Mm -hmm. know, goes through different struggles with, you know, mentality and putting yourself under a lot of pressure, confidence, all that stuff. So I wanted to do something that Make, be a little bit relatable for my classmates. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think sports especially are such a driving factor mm-hmm. in these communities that we're for in. For sure, In yeah. addition to academics, I mean, I think a lot of it comes from parents, but just the atmosphere of yeah. an independent school is like we really pride ourselves at Bryn Mawr and Gilman on the athletic-academic combination. Right. Student-athlete, you know? Right, yeah, and we want to push students to participate and do their best and become, you know, as great of a player as possible. But I think you see this in these schools, but also in college, too. I mean, I know so many people that struggled with mental health when they got to college. And it's funny to me, kind of being involved in in sports in college and then coming back here and just – Thinking about, you know, the mentality when you're in high school, all you want to do is get to that next level and play a sport exactly. in college. And that that's like the dream, right, mm-hmm. is to go to an Ivy League school and play a sport. And right. that's what you've been working so hard to do. And really when you get there, it's just – it's not what it seems for a lot of people because, A, you don't know if you're going to play. Exactly. You're going to contribute. It's so much pressure. It's so many hours. Um the coaches have to win, so they don't really – some of them, I mean, the good ones do, but some right. of them don't look at you like you're a human being. You're more of just a pawn on the right. chessboard. <laughs> so I think this project's really, really important for everyone, you know, yeah. to think about. And it's interesting that you mentioned the recruiting process just because I think when we think so much about that next level and we want to get to the next level so much, that can have an effect on the now and your mental health right now Mm -hmm. and so I 
and focusing on the high school um, athlete because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the collegiate and the professional level, like mental health and that, especially lately. I think it's like super topical, but I kind of want to shed more light on high school athletes because I feel like they're going through the same thing, but it's just not talked about as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I like the point about the the here and now because that's right. That's what anxiety is really is when you're thinking about the future. Exactly. But I always try to, I mean, I always try to tell high school players like guys on the lacrosse team here, or even people in my, my classes mm-hmm. is it doesn't really get like, it doesn't, you don't see it, but it doesn't get much better than like a high school sporting game. Mm-hmm. You've got your family there. You've got your best friends there. You're playing with people you grew up with. Yeah. And it's sort of sad to me to see like, it's just natural, but it's sad when people are thinking about the next step when it's like, it's right here. I mean, yeah. going back to a Friday night lacrosse game in high school would be like a dream. It's the it's, best. It's the best. I love it. <laughs> but there is a lot of, of pressure for the next right. the next thing. Yeah, I would agree. Do you think that comes a lot from the parents or from the institutions or ourselves or just a combination of everything? I think a combination. And also it depends on the individual, you know, your personality, your home life, maybe your parents' childhood, you know, a bunch of different factors go into it. And I think, you know, Bryn Mawr, the tri-school, mm-hmm. it's a competitive environment. And so it's not just in the academics. I think that also translates into athletics and art and all of this other thing, all of these other things. Mm-hmm. So I'd say a combination, but I think what's important is like how you deal with that and, you know, making yourself a better person, kind of grappling with what you're going through. Yeah, that's a great project. Yeah, I'm excited about it. What's What's the independent study like for you? Are you using mostly the internet or are you looking at different books? I know there's a book on this issue called What? I think it's what makes Maddie run, yes. maybe? Yes. My college counselor actually gave me that book, and I was going to read it over winter break. Yeah. But it was that exact book. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to read that. In addition, this summer was when I did a lot of the work, just because I knew, you know, application season's coming around. Mm-hmm. So I met, you have a mentor for the project, and so my mentor is over at Johns Hopkins. He's a psychiatrist. And so he's been working with me, just kind of diving into the, like, science behind it you know the root causes what can trigger certain things um and then i'm also going to meet with an injury specialist to talk about you know concussions there's actually a brimar alum that reached out to me which is super cool she specializes in concussions hmm. so it's cool that i was able to re- like work with someone who is part of the brimar community and actually went through you know the student athlete you mm-hmm. know experience yeah um but definitely i would say the main part of the resor- research is you know doing your own research, but meeting with other people in the field to get that secondhand, you know, one-on-one experience. What's it like with the Hopkins psychologist? He's awesome. He actually, um, it's Dr. T and he was able. There you go. Okay. I didn't know if I was like supposed so to Chesare say. So Cesare does the, the podcast with Dr. T, the uh, mindset experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Dr. T is my mentor and he gave me so many resources and he knows so many people. Um, but He's been great. We met, uh, I think, in July. I came, gave him a rundown of my pro- my project and what I envisioned for it, and he was able to kind of set me in the right, right direction, help me with where I want to go with this. Mm-hmm. So he's been awesome, and it's kind of a full circle moment because I remember my freshman year, he came and talked to the varsity soccer team, and that was like my first season at Bryn Mawr in high school, my first real like 
I don't know, high school experience. Yeah. And it was just, I, it stuck with me even through the pandemic, which I think, you know, had its own mm-hmm. like mental par- uh, mental barriers. And so the fact that I'm able to like come back and re-meet with him mm-hmm. after so many years is awesome. Yeah, he's great. And I think, you know, you've got so many resources there with his podcast mindset right. experience because he's talking to all these college athletes exactly. and high school athletes about their yeah. just just mental condition or mindset and what mm-hmm. they're going through playing sports. Right. I heard so many stories in our meeting. I think there was also someone he knew um, who happened to be like a really popular influencer on TikTok, which like I had been following, my friends had been following just because it's very much for our generation and like mm-hmm. young women and like their mindset, their body image, all that kind of thing. And so it was awesome that he had this super personal connection with her. And he actually is working on setting me up in a meeting with um, this woman. So I'm super excited. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 So many connections and resources. That's a great project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you bring up the social media part. And this is a broad topic and there's a lot that goes right. into it. But I think about social media and the effect of social media. Have you done any work or research around that that topic for high schoolers? Because... I think that's, you know, you'll read about it in what makes Maddie run is the, you know, the, the image and what's projected right. out into the world mm-hmm. versus the reality of, and that's something that I think young people struggle with today because, you know, you want to put the best out there into the world and right. show off a great life that you're living, but you also feel like you're hiding the, the truth from mm-hmm. people in the world. And that's, that's part of the I wouldn't say it's an issue, but it's just the reality of the world today. Yeah. I mean, I just think I would agree with you. It sucks, but it is a part of our world, especially after COVID. I think when we all went virtual and we all separated social media, like the use of it and just how much we kind of needed it mm-hmm. increased so much just because that was our way to connect with one another. And, you know, I agree with like the reality that you're not really showing everything about yourself on social media which can be detrimental, but at the same time, I feel like there's not much that you can, you know, do to change it just because it's the world we live in Mm -hmm. and it's the generation I'm in. I mean, everyone's on different social media platforms and I've tried personally to take like, you know, breaks from certain apps, mental cleanses, I guess you could say. Yeah. But it's just hard because so much talking with each other, you know, posting, even people who go to other schools that you don't, maybe don't see like on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's all through these platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like you, I mean, I, I've been off Instagram for a while. I used to be mm-hmm. like big time on in- oh, Instagram. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I used to use it all the time, but I do feel like I miss like when I'm in, you know, New York City or something mm-hmm. and somebody posts a story that they're here too and right. I haven't seen them for a while. I'm missing all that. So I'm missing some of the tools and the use for, exactly. useful elements of it and keeping in touch with my friends friends like from college or from high school I feel like I've lost some of those connections Mm -hmm. because it's so easy when you're on Instagram just to flip it up and say oh that's an awesome like exactly there's pros and cons you know there are and even when I was because I've taken breaks from apps and even when I'm on those breaks you know it just feels like you're missing a part of your daily life honestly which sounds like I'm addicted to my phone but it's not true you know it's just that's a part of like our life now, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, can you tell me a little bit about TikTok because that's something I'm not <laughs> on and I don't I don't understand as much. And I'm sure there are teachers 
and people who listen to the podcast that are like, what is what is that and why is it useful and why do high school students and young, like my sister's in seventh grade, she's she's on that thing and it's addicting. Oh, yeah. It's addicting. I mean, TikTok, TikTok is funny mm-hmm. because I think what it was meant to be was a place where people could dance. Mm-hmm. You know, the original TikTok, which used to be musically, was like you post videos dance, made with these like choreographed dance to songs and that would go up on your feed and you could see your friends dancing to the same songs and there were little trends of what like the popular dances were. But over time, it's become more of everything. There's a video for everything on TikTok. And what I've found is that each person's account who does have a TikTok is super personalized to them. Because I don't know if you've heard of the For You page, mm-hmm. which is basically all the accounts you don't follow. And the longer you have the app, the more tailored to your interests, your search history, all of that kind of thing appears on your For You page. And so that can be great, but that can also be a little toxic, um, mm-hmm. which I found. And so it's interesting because I've heard both sides of the story. Some people love TikTok. Some people like despise it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it depends how you use it. And some people your age despise it. Yeah, there are people who have refused to, you know, they've deleted it, refused to re-download it just because they're taking a stand against it. Hmm. I mean, I think it's great. It's I, funny for it's, sure. It's, it's entertaining. Fun. It's definitely entertaining. It's definitely a waste of time sometimes. I can scroll on there for hours yeah. if I let myself, which I try not to. But, you know, other than that, I don't, I personally haven't really found any sort of bigger meaning behind it. It's yeah. just a fun app. Is it... um. Do the videos you watch, are they mostly funny videos or are you learning things on there, do you think? or So, you know, that depends on your For You page. Mm -hmm. My For You page has a lot of sports. There's cooking videos, which I really like. Um, Obviously, sometimes dances because I like to do the dances. Yeah. Um, And so my For You page is something that involves a lot of my interests, I think, just because weirdly it knows what I like to do. Yeah, right. But, you know, if you're someone who loves to learn, I'm sure there's informational videos on your yeah. uh, For You page. It just depends on the person. Um, so that's kind of cool. But at the same time, I've heard from my friends that some people who maybe have had, like, some struggles in the past, their For You pages, they kind of hone in on that, and bunch, and there's some toxic videos that show up. So it can be a bad thing sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Do you think the most used app, in your friend group at your school is YouTube and TikTok or TikTok, then YouTube, then Instagram? Because Instagram's not even, yeah. like people don't really go on Instagram mm-hmm. other than to. Sometimes they post, but I feel like people don't just spend the day on Instagram. I would say TikTok is definitely the number one. Mm. I don't know. I see my friends and myself included just flipping through the 15 second videos, you know. Yeah. Um, YouTube. I honestly haven't used as much anymore. I think people have geared more towards Netflix and YouTube is now being replaced by TikTok. You know, it's a combination. If you want to see a video that isn't a movie or a show, you go to TikTok. But if you want to watch something that's like a yeah, a movie or something, that's for Netflix. Is it is it true that movies aren't really, I mean, do, do high school students watch movies that much or is it mostly just short videos? Because I think even for me, like the social media addiction or just having that in my my pocket at all times and using social media it makes you appreciate the shorter clips where you just get the 15 seconds then onto the next thing onto the next thing and it makes it harder to watch a longer form 
movie. I agree. I definitely agree. Especially because everyone's super busy. Now the idea of like a two-hour movie just seems so long. Mm-hmm. And I kind of miss being able to just sit down and enjoy those two hours. But I think TikTok and other apps have definitely geared me more towards the quick second type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. The world we live in. I think... Uh, and Snapchat, and it's not really, I mean, do people communicate on Snapchat? Too Sometimes. Much? I think Snapchat is more for the communication. Honestly, people probably use Snap more than texting. Mm-hmm. Depends who you're talking to. I guess I could say that. Yeah. Um, but it's all very interesting. I think over the past couple of years, and I mentioned this a few times, but definitely with COVID, the yeah. uses for these apps have just changed yeah mm-hmm. i mean just because you've been at home and there's not much exactly. else to do like, right that's how you communicate that's how you see your friends exactly so yeah i mean i um i understand it and i've you know tiktok for sure i've had it on my phone before and it's funny it's entertaining mm-hmm. it knows you so well it knows exactly what you want <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, it's just a new world. And it's funny because I'm like, you know, I'm 27 years old mm-hmm. and none of these apps were around when I was growing up. And I think it's funny too that people who are older than my generation say, you know, that generation's so screwed up. And then people who are older than that generation say, like, the millennials are screwed up. Yeah. And today, people look at high schoolers and and middle schoolers and say oh my god they're all addicted to their phones right (laughs) they're all screwed up they can't have a conversation they don't read any books i don't know what do you think about like adults looking at your age group because i think it's a thing like every generation Mm -hmm. says it about the the one that follows them i mean yeah i've heard it from grandparents i've heard it but i think it just depends how they've grown up you know times change and I honestly, unless you're living in the time you're living, you know, if they were a child right now, they probably would think a little differently. If we were their age, we'd think differently too, because I know there's things my parents do that I'm like, mom, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, it just, I think it's about perspective mm-hmm. and it's hard to understand, you know, the trends of the time or what's really like going on. I guess it's just hard to truly understand that unless you're living in it mm-hmm. and experiencing it firsthand so it's easy to judge and i think quick judgment is something that we see a lot but yeah. i think it's a little bit unavoidable at this point but yeah. you know it just comes with that yeah i mean my parents are they're on their phones yeah. maybe more than than i am i mean they <laughs> they've got hooked on everything now it's uh everything from instagram to wordle to oh wordle mm-hmm. yep i'm slowly introducing my parents to instagram they're getting there yeah. but you know well that was the thing about facebook is that it was mm-hmm. a big it was a big thing and now like all the adults are all the all the parents are on facebook right <laughs> and that's their app and right? i just can't imagine myself using facebook it's crazy that they have different things than we do yeah Interesting. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit more, Francesca, about your transition from the middle school that you went to with a co-ed experience mm-hmm. to an all-girls school and what's what, what an all-girls school is like, especially at Bryn Mawr. Um, it was definitely a change. I loved my old school. And so it was different, you know, being with, there was no boys. And mm-hmm. I, especially for the first two years and definitely with COVID. But something that was good for me is I have a little sister, and so... Are you the oldest? Yeah. You are. Um, she's 13 now, but we're super close, 
And so in my family, it's been my sister, my mom, and then my dad, poor him, because he's living with three girls. Mm -hmm. But so I'm kind of used to that sisterhood. Um, And so I felt like another version of that was coming out when I went to Bryn Mawr and it was something I really treasured because I had great friendships at my old school. But, you know, when there's guys around, there's things you can't really talk about. You know, you got to be a little secretive about certain things. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, there's a level of embarrassment, especially with middle school girls, I feel like. That's just inevitable. Mm -hmm. But once I got to Bryn Mawr, I felt like everyone was truly themselves and supportive of me. I was supportive of them. There was a lot less judgment. And I think people were just less worried about what others would think about them because it was just like we were a community of sisters and I love it. Yeah. So, so you're awesome. very pro all girls school. You you feel like that mm-hmm. experience has been nothing but positive. Yeah. For me, I've loved it. And, you know, I will say there's a difference between being in an all girls school that's right next to an all boys school versus being on an all girls school in the middle of like nowhere because you know, if I was in need of seeing like my guy friends and that kind of thing, I can walk over the bridge or they can come to my soccer game, that kind of thing. So that was super helpful as well, just because when I felt like there was a little bit one noted of like no guys, all girls, I had this like outlet at Gilman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's been a really positive experience. Do you find it was easy to, when you went to Bryn Mawr to meet Gilman guys or it, like because I'm just thinking about the ways um, that that Bryn Mawr and Roland Park students mm-hmm. can meet Gilman guys and vice versa and mm-hmm. just kind of the social interactions that we facilitate as a tri-school I know you know we have dances and we have mixers right. and that kind of thing but you know junior and senior year are really the only times in class mm-hmm. in a semi-professional setting when it's not Friday night at the dance where you can like actually talk to someone you know yeah the thing that was helpful for me was coming from a co-ed school because so many of the boys from that school went to Gilman so that's how I had those connections but I will say I think especially for someone who's been going to Bryn Mawr for a while had I not had those connections freshman and sophomore year would have been very all Bryn Mawr Mm -hmm. I think as you mature and as you get to the coordinated classes, that's when you can really start to create friendships. And I have so many more friendships with the Gilman students now than I did freshman year, despite knowing them already freshman year. And so if I had to say, you know, one thing that I would recommend or that I would like to see is that freshmen and sophomores have more chances to, you know, meet more guys mm-hmm. at Gelman, that kind of thing. Because I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's beneficial. Yeah. And I was trying to think of, some useful social activities that would work you know something that's i mean i think the barbecues and the things that we yeah, do in nice true. weather is great mm-hmm. because classes are so helpful because you have to go to the class yeah. and it's every other day you're gonna see these kids every other day so you gotta make you gotta become friends with them right i'm trying to think if there's anything else i was thinking so i play a lot of pickleball oh, pickleball is great yeah. because it's social it's fun it's a kind of an even playing field mm-hmm. You know, but I don't know. Will sophomore boys take like, you know, <laughs> smack the ball as hard as they can at the girls <laughs> and not realize that it's kind of a social fun thing? Something that just brings the two schools together mm-hmm. and uh, and the students can get to know each other. And it's not a Friday night at the, at the dance when there's all kinds of other things involved, you know? It's funny you mentioned pickleball because my family has recently become obsessed with pickleball. My cousin's got a like a transportable 
pickleball court. Yep. And so they set it up like this past 4th of July in the backyard and we went to town. We did a whole tournament. I know I'm getting off topic, but no. we did this whole tournament and it was awesome. I personally won with my cousin. I'm not going to lie, there but it was go. awesome. And Yep. It's I think that's a good idea. You know, something I think competition's awesome. Like Yeah. It's a good way to bring people together. And pickleball could be great. There's we could do like a field day or something. I'm trying to think if there's ways. Mm-hmm. It'd be good if the teams could be across the schools, not like, because we do have our tri-school sports days mm-hmm. and tri-school spirit days and all of that. But maybe if we did something where, you know, there's a kind of a crossover where Gilman, Bryn Mawr, and RPCS all had to be on one team, like one person from yeah. each school or a few people from each school were one team, that could be really good. Pickleball tournament, Gilman boy, Bryn Mawr girl together on a team. I love and it. And it's a it's a it's a huge bracket. We're gonna make this happen. I love so it. So <laughs> we need to build some pickleball courts at Gilman, and that's I think it's in the works. People There's are talking answer. about it. So that's a really good idea. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I like that. But pickleball is the best. It's, I love it. It's social. It's fun. It's competitive. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be incredibly good at sports to do it. You, you know, don't have to be that that athletic. No. You know, you just got to make contact with the ball and exactly. it over the net. So. Yeah, we'll try to get it going. Um, all right, so how about your classes? Bryn Mawr, four years. What subjects have really called to you? And maybe at the next stage of your academic experience, is there anything that you think you might be interested in? I mean, for my focus um, in college, I want to major in chemistry. I've always loved the sciences, and I took an AP chemistry class last year, and my teacher, shout out Ms. Gladkey, was amazing and I felt my confidence in science growing and also just my love for it growing. Um, that also could be because I've my both my parents are in medicine so I feel like I've had like that influence on me. So I always kind of knew I wanted to maybe do something in medicine. Mm-hmm. And so science seemed like the logical route, but the more I involved myself in science, the more I loved it. So that's what I would want to major in. But I've also found that I have have a really big passion for languages and I've been able to grow that at Bryn Mawr. We have a dual language program and so I'm able to study both French and Spanish and that's been amazing because you know it's the best of both worlds and I can you know pick up more than one language. And I think personally I think learning a language is such a powerful and important part of like our community mm-hmm. and you know culture and being able to I don't know, immerse yourself in other settings and other situations. And just for meeting new people. Yep. I like to think I'm a people person. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to do that yeah. and potentially travel. That's so, yeah. a great perspective. And I wish I had that when I was in high school because I, I was one of those people, the worst type of people who thought like Spanish class was kind of a joke. Mm. And I did all right. I did well in the class, but like I got in there. I was like, ah, I'm not really going right. to, I can't really project out into the future and see how one day I'm going to want to go to Spain. And yeah. if I can't speak, it's just going to limit me. But mm-hmm. now you can go to Spain. You can go to mm-hmm. France. And I might want to study abroad in college. So this is also super useful for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where would you want to go? I mean, a classic answer is Paris because that just seems so beautiful. Have you been there before? I went when I was 10. And I remember it, but I think... I wasn't as good as French back then. I don't think I appreciated the culture as much just because I was young, you know, didn't have as much of a perspective as I do now. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd really be able to appreciate it on another level if I went back. 
Especially yeah. if I could like study while going there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be that would be awesome. That's the dream. <laughs> yeah. So do you think you can have a full conversation with someone in France? I can try. You're pretty. You're I, pretty fluent. Yeah, I've been taking it since kindergarten, so mm. it's been a while, and I did AP French last year, so that was where I think because there's a lot more verbal conversation in that class, so mm. I think that really progressed my skill. But I wouldn't say I'm completely fluent, mm-hmm. but I can definitely you can I carry can hold on. a conversation. That's more than I could. I only <laughs> had a uh, bonsoir and uh, what else did I have? <laughs> yeah, bonjour. That's it. I didn't have much. Yeah, I could greet and say goodbye to people, but that's about it. Because I went there. I went to Paris this past summer and it was amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah, you'll get there. Um, another question for you. So, so writing. Definitely a skill for you. I had you in English last year. You know how to write really, really well. Where do you think you've learned how to write that well? Because most people, you've got to read a lot. And um, right. I don't know. Where do you think you've got your skills for, for writing? Because I think that's another skill that you have that you can incorporate into this. I mean, honestly, I don't know. Because I've loved to read, but I've found, especially throughout high school, I've had less and less time to do so. And it's something I wish I could do more often, but I don't read as much as I would hope and as much as I would like to. And so I think, honestly, my languages has helped me with English just because the more you learn another language, you can translate it over to English. And obviously I'm more advanced in English than I am French and Spanish, but I've been able to parallel what I've learned. And also, I just think I spend a lot of time on things. Mm -hmm. I find with essays and poems and all that what we did when our with our writing assignments I put my heart and soul into those and so I put in the time and I put in the work and I really want to create something that's meaningful to me and that sounds like I care and I've put in this effort mm-hmm. and so honestly I just think it comes from my heart yeah yeah and hard work right I mean I think I, I think that's very true it's a good message for younger high school students because <laughs> a lot of high school I think is is effort I mean mm-hmm. oh, some of sure. it obviously is you know, just your ability, but right. so much of high school is how much yeah. effort you put into it. I feel like there's very few classes in the tri-school that you can just cruise by with mm-hmm. out doing a lot of work, you know? You got to put in your part of the bargain. And that kind of what separates, like, the, the good students from mm-hmm. the really, really good students is, right. I, you know, and high school is tough. I remember staying up super late and oh, yes. <laughs> working a job in high school and just not having enough time in the day. And then you've got an assignment due the next day. College is a little bit different because then you have a couple weeks to get something right. done. But it's just, is it's a little bit of grit, you know? It's like, I got to stay up and do this yep. and put more effort into it. I mean, it's a good, I think it's a good experience because I think it's going to prepare us for college. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've really appreciated from the tri-school, you know, community and the way we kind of run things here some people might think i feel like definitely from other schools think it's too too much academic work too much hard deadlines competitive nature but i think it's super beneficial because i feel like ready and i feel like i'm capable of putting in that effort and you know Mm -hmm. keeping up with higher classes that kind of thing now the competitive atmosphere at Bryn Mawr is something that people talk a lot about and there are Mm -hmm. some positives to that and some negatives about that but for you like how do you feel about that atmosphere at a school like does it drive you to 
work harder and do better or are there negative elements to it too do you think i think there's both and i think i had to grow into liking the nature and the competitive spirit because when i first came i was just overwhelmed you know it was a lot Mm -hmm. but like you said it started to drive me to do um, better especially with covid you know when you're on that personal reflection in your own like separate life yeah that's when you kind of take a step back and realize how you want the next couple of years to go. And so I found definitely a more positive experience from the competitive nature because I think it's pushed me to, you know, go beyond my limits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you were ninth grade in COVID? I was 10th grade. Oh, the start of COVID was ninth, the end of ninth grade. Can you grade. believe that last That's year, crazy. I think at this time we were still wearing masks? Were we actually? Yeah. December, I think we're still wearing masks. That's crazy. In school, in classes, yeah. That's crazy. It's Time has flown by. It has. It has. Scary. Um, What else about Bryn Mawr uh, do you think that the school does really well? Like, what do you you really like about, other than the sisterhood and the bonds that you formed with your friends and classmates there and the competitive nature of the school, like, what about the school do you think works really well? I could go on and on about Bryn Mawr and how much I love it. But I would say they really, like Bryn Mawr loves each and every one of their students. And they want each student to be the best they can be. And that involves pushing them a little to, you know, break out of their comfort zones and try new things. Maybe that's joining a sports team. Maybe that's starting a new club. And I feel like it's kind of classic Bryn Mawr answer to say, like, stepping out of your comfort zone you know but it's true I think there's so many students on that campus that are in multiple different areas like excelling you know at things they maybe never thought they could excel at and so I really appreciate that about the Bremer community because you can really tell that they care about their students mm-hmm. and that they want what's best for everyone yeah, I think that's good advice for freshman or sophomore or eighth grader who's coming into mm-hmm. Bryn Mawr. Like, just try to step out of your comfort zone, yeah. try new things out. Mm-hmm. It's good advice for my younger sister for student council. And you have a 13-year-old sister, too. She so. is in the high school process. She's applying to high schools this year. So my parents have two application processes. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's crazy. But, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to push her to Bryn Mawr, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. I mean... For a younger student, I think that's good advice for my sister, too, is try out for student council because you Mm -hmm. never know. It could be really, really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, What else do you like to do on campus over there? I mean, you've got three sports. You're in basketball season right now. Oh, yes. (laughs) How's how's that looking? How's that shaping up? We're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. I think this year is definitely one of our better years. I mean, we won in my freshman year. We did really well and won that championship. But since then, I think this is definitely our best year so far. Hmm. And it's awesome that, like, as an upperclassman on the team, you can kind of set the tone for how you want this team relationship to be. Mm-hmm. And I felt that it's super close this year, and we're really gelling. So really? I'm Already? So, yeah, I'm really excited. It's we're going to do re- some fun activities over winter break. <laughs> yeah, that's really important with a team is for to sure. do some things outside of the mm-hmm. sport itself, you know, just hang out somewhere or yeah. go on a trip or a – field trip somewhere Mm -hmm. you know that's where the bonds are created that's really important Mm -hmm. how about lacrosse lacrosse i love lacrosse it's awesome i definitely would say it's been a learning experience for me because lacrosse is the sport i've always been the least confident in just because i think i've always put more time and i 
develop more skill in the other two. But I've always loved lacrosse. So, of course, I'm going to do it at Bryn Mawr. Mm -hmm. But it's been something that I've had to, you know, grow grow my confidence, grow my position on the team. Because I would say I'm less of a, you know, driving factor on the lacrosse team as other sports. Because it's just not my main sport. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I love it any less. And I think it's been awesome, you know, I was on the bench my first three years, or two years, I guess. Last year I wasn't. But that was an experience in itself because you get to see the field and you get to be, like, the encourager. And I think mm -hmm. the bench is just as important of a position as on the field. And so that was a learning experience. That's and I a loved great mindset. It. Yeah. Um, I don't that was know. me too. I mean, I was on the bench for a, mm -hmm. for a lot of my college lacrosse. And when you talk about, you know, me mental health, like you, right. if you're devoted to a team, you show up every day for practice, for you work sure. just as hard as the starters mm -hmm. and you just don't for every reason get out there as much, you know, that takes, that, it's hard to figure out what is my role on the team. And if it's rooting for the other players and being a good teammate, you know, I think, I teach this leadership character class for seniors uh -huh. and um, and I'm thinking about like what is a leader a lot and, right. and what are their good leadership characteristics and I think about one of my teammates in college who didn't play at all mm -hmm. like never played but was the most positive guy I think I've ever met even when like he was just getting you know he wasn't getting what he deserved right. on the team mm -hmm. he should have played a little bit he was a great guy worked really hard he was just a, as good to be out there as other people right but he was the most positive guy he never wasn't smiling and i think like that's a leader right there right I love you don't that, have to yeah. be the captain of the team you don't have to be the best mm -hmm. player you show up every day and you encourage everyone else you're so important on a yeah. team so i think that's mm -hmm. important to consider when you think about you know the right now as you were talking about oh, with yeah. high school sports and i think part of that which is crazy because even though it's the sport I haven't done, it's the sport I've done the least, I think it's the sport I've grown from the most because of what you're saying, you know, the now. Like, even when you're not maybe the star player on the field, you're still so important in having that mindset and growing that mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And soccer is your main, that's your favorite. I love soccer, yes. Yeah. How long have you been playing soccer? Oh gosh, forever. since I was four, yeah, yeah. Um, at least it was. It's been forever. Now, is soccer is something you want to do in college, or you want to do that on the side in college. You want to keep playing, keep it involved in your life. So for a time, I actually had considered getting recruited and playing soccer in college, but as I reflected more, because I'm someone who is just so excited about new things, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what happened to me as I was going to high school and now I'm seeing it again going to college. I hear so much about the college experience and I've heard endless good things about different areas of what I can do, that kind of thing. And so the more I thought about it, I do want soccer to be a part of that, but I don't think I want it to be the main and or only um, mm -hmm. force, driving force of my college experience. Yeah. So I'm gonna play club soccer somewhere but I also maybe want to do student government or yeah. other clubs, maybe tutoring, that kind of thing. You know, I'm excited to just try everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great move. I mean, yeah. playing a sport in college is, it's just a full-time job. And mm -hmm. it's not to say it's not great, but it's mm -hmm. not to say you don't meet a lot of really cool people on your team that are lifelong friends, but it's so many hours and such a dedication right. that I don't feel like people understand as mm -hmm. much. It's just 
you know, it's a yeah. different type of college experience. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to get to that point because I know for a while I was like, I want to play soccer in college. And that was a part of, I think, what led me to make my Edith Hamilton project because I was thinking so much about that next level. Mm-hmm. But I love my soccer still, but I want it to be one part of many parts mm-hmm. of college. Awesome. Well, um, it's been a great conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See, you're not, it's it's not nerve wracking no, at all. Right? It, it got Once you better. get going, yeah. all the camera devices got and everything. Into the flow. <laughs> uh, last question is something that we kind of do on mm-hmm. every episode is the book recommendation. And I was wondering if you thought of any books that really influenced you that you've read um, that you could share with people who are listening. So, my book recommendation is Never Let Me Go. I read it in my English class two years ago. And it's by um, Kazuo Ishiguro, Mm -hmm. and he, it's just amazing. I love his writing style. It's kind of a dystopian fiction, and it's about, I'll give a little brief summary, I guess. It's about these students who go to a boarding school called Hailsham, and it seems like a normal boarding school. Don't worry, I won't give any spoilers, because it seems normal. They teach a normal curriculum teach good manners, how to be a good person, that kind of thing. Everything seems like how it is today in our world. Mm -hmm. But um, what I really love that the author does is that slowly throughout the book, he reveals more and more about what's really going on at that school, which I won't say. Mm -hmm. But I liked that as I was reading it, I learned new things, but so did the characters. So it kind of felt like I was in the book with them because we were both being like told secrets i guess mm-hmm. so that was awesome something strange is going something's on happening and you don't know what it is until you know it's like a gradual realization yeah, which i like i remember reading that and that's it was freaky it, you can't put it down once no. you start Mm-mm. it i never understand because we teach that at gilman mm-hmm. i think in the 10th grade and some people don't like it i'm like how do you not I like that know. book? i like the suspense i love the mystery i think it keeps me like keeps me hanging you know yeah yeah that's a great recommendation i'm surprised no one else has uh brought that into the podcast but um have you read the remains of the day by him i have not that's a good that's a good one too i also heard he's writing a new one called clara and the sun or something and i think it's the same kind of vibe like Mm -hmm. mystery dystopian Mm -hmm. um something like that and i think i'd be interested in reading that as well but what was the book you had recommended just now uh the remains of the day and it's about a um it's about a butler at a pretty fancy um uh, lack of a better term like uh, estate in in england Mm -hmm. because i think kazuo ishiguro is from japan but he lived in england most of his life maybe his like england citizenship i think i think so (laughs) so it's it's set in the 30s and i teach it or i have my students read for summer reading in the leadership class because It's about this butler who's working, and like he's a very, very devoted and serious worker. Like mm-hmm. he's tied to his job, super professional. You respect him for a lot of reasons, mostly because he's just like he only cares about his job. And it's right. pretty, you know, when you think about hard work and focus and all of these things that we're talking about, he represents that. Yeah. So he comes up every comes in every day, is very devoted to his. Um, Lord Darlington, who is the person who, you know, runs the estate and he's a very influential figure. But he also hears these different things that are going on around the estate that 
aren't so good because it's set in the 30s. There's like some Nazis there right. and they're discussing these different things. And he's so tied to his job that he doesn't care about anything else in his life. He doesn't care about like anything romantic. He doesn't care about his family. He doesn't care about the immoral things that are going on. Mm -hmm. So it's really a question about how much professionalism is dignified, you know? Yeah. Um, but that guy's brilliant, that writer. Oh, he's really good. Clara and the Sun, I think, is artificial intelligence. And it's oh, about, my goodness. Yeah. I am taking a women's science fiction English class right now, and we've been speaking so much about AI, and it's it's so interesting, and I have found that this is one of my favorite classes this year, which typically isn't the case. You know, like, for me, I've always gravitated, like I said earlier, to sciences and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I love it. There are a few, we read Frankenstein, but there have been a few dystopian um, readings as well by like Octavia Butler, N.K. Jemisin about AI. Hmm. And those have been super interesting. One was called Walking Awake, and it's about this other world where um, there are facilities and there are these things, these creatures called the masters, and they are AI. And the masters use human bodies which is kind of crazy they like use human bodies to keep living so they are creatures living inside a human body but as that human body gets older the master needs to switch to another body mm. and so there's ethical questions that are raised but at the same time it's kind of like honestly gory in a way it's mm -hmm. kind of scary it's unsettling and it's about the um people who work in the because there are people who work at the facilities who can't donate their bodies because they have either had, like, some health issues in the past or other reasons. So it's about them slowly realizing, like, wait, this isn't right. We need to, you know, do something mm. about it. But I've loved all the stories we've read about, like, other worlds with, like, artificial intelligence, that kind of thing. I think it's super cool. I'm surprised they don't teach uh, Never Let Me Go in that class. I know. Yeah, it, it might right be, in. Be, Yeah, it might be because we do it earlier, but it would be perfect. Um, Westworld, have you watched that show at all? I'm not. Oh, that's... You Is like it a, that. what I like it? It's a recommendation. I mean, it's tough to start a new show, but I think right. like, maybe winter break, Westworld. Maybe I And will. I'm not a big, you know, show watcher, but I watched the first season of that, and it's about everything we're talking about so oh i would like that then i actually asked my class the other day and i didn't really get a great response because it's a tough question but it, the question of if you read a really beautiful poem or a piece of writing and later you found out that it was written by artificial intelligence how would you feel oh my goodness everything we're talking about is relating to my english class do you guys I'd talk about that question we did an activity yesterday where we read four, so there was an essay prompt. We read four different essays in response to that prompt, two of which had been written by AI, two of which had been written by the class of 2022 Bryn Mawr students. And we didn't know who wrote which, and we did guess like the authors of each one. And we got every single one wrong. Mm. The ones we thought were written by students had been written by AI. And the ones Whoa. we thought were written by like a computer system was written by the students. It was crazy. Like I'm still unsettled from it. It's honestly a little scary how like real mm -hmm. these systems can be. Um, but I think that's yeah, just part of our world as we like go further into the future. I'm interested, but also a little bit like, oh, what's gonna happen? Yeah. I don't know. It was really cool. I'd be I'd be disturbed. I'd be I'd yeah. feel like I was deceived. Mm-hmm. 
It was I, a shocking. I had to take a step back. Like, yeah, I mean, what are English teachers going to do if that's possible? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to do? Just my stack of prompts, papers. Yeah. I don't know who wrote what, or if it's a computer, or yeah, you really can't tell at this point who's who. Yeah, first it's plagiarism. That's hard enough to figure out. I know. Now it's like, all right, artificial intelligence writing papers. It's like <laughs> our next big problem in the English classroom. Oh goodness. Jeez. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. It was a great conversation. Yeah, thank Hope you for having me. Hope people enjoyed listening to it, and thank you, Cesare. But thank you, Francesca. It's been it's been fun. Thank you so it's been much. Awesome. Thank have, you. Have a great senior year. Thanks. <laughs>